All right, welcome back to the big program. Hey, the NBA season is uh, set to tip off, and uh, we welcome in um, Eric Smith uh, from Toronto Raptors, play-by-play man for the Fan 590. Um, Eric, you're with Kevin Carries and uh, Grant Fuhr. Welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for having me, guys. And, and uh, Kevin, I got to say right off the bat, with with no disrespect intended to you by any means, uh, it's it's great chatting with you. But as a guy who grew up as an Edmonton Oilers fan, okay. to be able to chat with Grant Fuhr right. and 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 kind of on the other side to be you know talking basketball with Grant Fuhr, this is special for me because I grew up four doors down from Gretzky's aunt and uncle and cousins and met Wayne a couple of times from a young age. So that just ingrained in me the Edmonton Oilers fandom, especially for Wayne and then, of course, for Grant and Yari Curry and, and, and the rest goes on, Mark Messi, of course, and Paul Coffey, et cetera. So this is a thrill for me, albeit to be talking basketball, not hockey. Oh, so was this in, in Brantford, Eric? Uh, in Burlington, Ontario, okay. actually. So, I've, But I've been to the Gretzky home in Brantford because we were very close friends with these neighbors and, and whatnot. So uh, so I, I, I've, I've met Phyllis and Walter and uh, Wayne's brothers and been to a bunch of games and and uh, you name it. So, in fact, last time I saw Wayne, he didn't remember me, nor should he, because he's met a million people over the course of his life. But I actually had an interview lined up with Wayne when I was working the sidelines for the Sportsnet television broadcast during the Raptors' run to the finals back in 2019. And the game where Kevin Durant Durant blew out his knee, um, uh, his Achilles, and went down. I was actually scheduled to interview Wayne in that timeout, and we were going to reminisce a little bit about uh, you know having met you know so many moons ago and how Wayne grew up as obviously a big baseball fan and player, let alone as a fan of basketball and whatnot. But then my job took me into the back hallways of the arena and trying to track down what was going on with Durant and of course uh, the impact that that ultimately had on the uh, on the series itself and the Raptors' path to winning the championship. So there's always a little hockey tie-in in Canada, no matter what we're doing, right? Guys. Well, you know what, Eric? I'm going to let Grant lead things off here, our time together. So go ahead, Grant. The floor is yours with Eric. Hey, Eric. Uh, a quick question. So with the Raptors season last year, I know it didn't end the way people wanted it to do. What have they done this year to improve and what are the expectations going forward? I think the big thing, Grant, is is obviously a lot of people focus on the absence or the loss of Fred Van Vliet in free agency in the offseason. There's no doubt that's a big one from a, a leadership standpoint, let alone his his quality as a player on the floor and what he meant to this team for many years as a, as a backup to Kyle Lowry and as a, a young player that emerged in the system and then who grew into an all-star and a leader and, of course, a champion as well. But with no disrespect intended to Fred, who I, I have the utmost respect for as a person, let alone as a player, I think that what the Raptors lost in Fred, they ultimately have improved upon in their depth overall. And I guess, Grant, what I mean by that is, yes, Fred's a big loss, but you still have a Pascal Siakam and an OG Ananobi and the the addition last year of Jakob Pertl. You still have Gary Trent and Scotty Barnes and Chris Boucher and Precious Achua. The core of this team, a major core of this team, is back. So the continuity and the chemistry, I think, is there. One of the key... Um, weaknesses of the team last year was shooting. They got arguably, if not the best shooter, the second best shooter in the draft in Grady Dick. And I think that the depth overall of this team is better than it was last year. So I think that alone, and then of course I didn't mention the guy that's replacing Fred Van Vliet. We can sit here and argue whether he's a comparable player, a better player, a worse player, whatever. Dennis Schroeder is no slouch, and he's coming off one hell of a summer as well, leading Germany to the world championship. And I think with him coming in to sort of replace Fred, even if it's a Band-Aid for a couple of years, with that core that I mentioned of the returning players 
and that added depth overall, I think that's why there's reason for me and I hope others to be optimistic about what this season could ultimately be for the Raptors. We're speaking with Eric Smith, uh, Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440 with our co-host Grant Fear, Tuesdays 9 to 11. So, um, What's the update uh, can you give us, Eric, on the situation with Scotty Barnes, who was uh, slightly injured, I guess, with his ankle in the preseason? Yeah, the good thing is, Kevin, he was at practice on Sunday. Uh, The Raptors didn't practice yesterday. They're back on the floor today, and he uh, practiced in full on Sunday, uh, you know, just a couple of days after that, that ankle or foot injury that he sustained. So it kind of looked worse than it was. But he is, by all accounts, good to go. Uh, and that's coming straight from the Raptors, uh, from Scotty himself. Uh, he's, he's fully healthy. So that's obviously the, the key. And fingers remain crossed to the point where they almost break that he stays healthy because I think he could be ultimately the key to what the Raptors do this season. For as great as Siakam has been uh, and as incredible as he is as a player, I think this season is kind of made or broken by how good and how healthy Scotty Barnes is. Because if we go back to his Rookie of the Year campaign two seasons ago, he was obviously such a major part of what the Raptors did. And I don't think he played poorly last year, but there certainly was a bit of a regression from what we saw and thus what we had maybe banked on or anticipated for in year number two. So he's got to kind of raise that bar again. And if the preseason is any indication, he certainly seems like he's kind of ready for that challenge and, and, and hopefully can do so. Grant, you got one in the hopper for Eric? So with, the, with everybody that they've got coming back and such, and knowing the fan base in Toronto, hockey-wise, if things get off to a slow start, does it put more pressure on the players, or are they giving the Raptors a little bit of leeway? You know, I, I think, Grant, there's a, a little bit of leeway with the fan base, but there's no doubt that Raptor fans have become very accustomed to winning. Um, they've, they've been in the postseason for eight of the last nine years, And, of course, we still kind of live on the championship, but it's crazy to me, Grant, and and Kevin, to think about the fact that by the time this season ends, it will have been five years since the Raptors won the title. It only seems like two or three years ago to me, but I guess kind of COVID and the craziness of the last few years has just made everything a a bit of a blur. But I think because of – and this maybe speaks to your point, Grant – because of the winning and the sustained success that the Raptors have had for essentially a decade – Fans want to continue to win, and they don't want to accept, uh, you know, another season outside of the playoffs or uh, a sort of a mediocre average type season. So I think it will put some pressure on. But the good news, I suppose, if you're looking at it from the organization standpoint, the season seat holders are pretty much almost selling out the joint every night. And even the the the, the few odd hundred or a couple of thousand tickets that might be remaining for the general public are gobbled up in no time. The Raptors sell out damn near every single game. I mean, they were selling out preseason games, uh, you know, just over these last couple of weeks as well. So the fan base is rabid. And as much as Toronto is a hockey town, it has very much become a basketball town and a Raptor town for quite a long time now as well. So uh, the, the fan base is, is, is passionate. And uh, I, if, if the Raptors do kind of stumble out of the gate a little bit, I think there will be calls for change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that will then obviously speak to as well. And I don't know if you guys were going to get to this, but we'll speak to calls for, is there going to be a trade in the works? Cause the Raptors do have a couple of key decisions. In fact, more than a couple of key decisions with Pascal Siakam potentially becoming an unrestricted free agent next summer if he doesn't sign an extension this season, in season. Ditto for OG Ananobi and also Gary Trent Jr. So there are a number of key players that have looming questions about their future kind of over their heads, and the Raptors seem to be taking that wait-and-see approach right now with new coach, 
new era in a sense? And is it going to come together to the point where, yes, it's working well, and now we'll pony up and spend that money? Or hold on, we want to take that wait-and-see approach and see how this all kind of plays out by season's end. Eric Smith is with us on Sports 1440. So you touched on a couple of points that I wanted to get to. Let's just start with with the, the new head coach, Darko Ryakovic. How has he fit in? Uh, what kind of coach is he? What can, uh, I guess, Raptors fans uh, expect from the style of play that he will implement with this team? I, I met him for the first time at, at training camp. I mean, I've, I've met him a couple of times in terms of just kind of passing by as an assistant in the in the league for many years. But in terms of actually getting a chance to speak to him and, and sit down and have a conversation, it was just over the course of the last four or five weeks. So um, much of what I will tell you is based on limited um, conversation with the man himself. But by everybody I've spoken to from other coaches, head coaches that have worked with him in the league, other assistants as well, players that have played for him, and then even just kind of watching the interaction among Raptor players in preseason, at camp, uh, in some of the uh, practices and whatnot as well. Very much a player's coach in terms of his approach, his communication. A number of players, including uh, Gary Trent, um, uh, 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 I'm trying to think who else, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Scotty Barnes, at least three or four guys have mentioned almost word for word that they have spent more time speaking to Darko Ryakovich on a personal level than they have with any other coach they've ever had in high school, college, or the pros. So his approach certainly seems to be as an open communicator, and that seems to be endearing him with the Raptor players thus far. As it comes to X's and O's, he's a guy that definitely likes to put the ball in the hands of a lot of guys. He wants to have the ball moving quite a bit and have a bit of a free-flowing offense where swing the ball, swing the ball, look for the best shot, not the only shot. I don't think this is going to be a team where it's, you're relying on Siakam to have to give you 25 to 30 every night. I think the scoring will be balanced out. He likes to run his offense a lot through his big men, so you're going to see Jakob Pertl handling the ball and Scotty Barnes and Siakam as a facilitator as well. And he certainly leans on uh, his rotation, which goes back to where we started when I talk about the Raptors being deeper this year, having more talent overall, I think, 1 through 10, 1 through 12. Ryakovich, no knock on Scott, uh, excuse me, on, on Nick Nurse, but I think Ryakovich will lean more on the bench and not log as heavy minutes for his starters as frequently as perhaps Nick Nurse did uh, over the past few seasons. Grant, have you got one more for Raptors play-by-play man Eric Smith? Yeah, so by leaning more on their depth, does that allow them to play more of an up-tempo game? I think so, Grant. I, I, I really do. And I think that the, the, the Raptors have that type of athleticism to play that style as well. I don't know if you recall last year, there was a lot of talk, at least out of Toronto, maybe around the league, about the Raptors kind of having this Project 6-8 or Project 6-9. And, and it was kind of just a fun little play on words with so many guys on the Raptors roster that seemed to be anywhere between 6-7, 6-8, 6-9. They were long. They were athletic. A lot of that length and athleticism is still there. Even a guy like Grady Dick, I talked to him being about a shooter. Uh, you know, I'm one of the best shooters coming out of the draft, but he's also six foot seven and he can get to the rim and he's more than just a shooter. And I think with that length, with that athleticism they have, I do think they will try to get out and run more. Plus, maybe going back to my further point about more guys touching the ball, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk about Scotty Barnes being that sort of point forward for the team. As much as traditionally Dennis Schroeder might be your point guard, quote unquote. Barnes is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I think the Raptors will look to rebound and get out running and try and take advantage of that speed and athleticism to maybe, you know, catch opponents on their heels a little bit. So I think it's a good point you ask about, and I think it's something you're going to see quite a bit of. Raptors play-by-play man Eric Smith is with us on Sports 1440. So you mentioned uh, Siakam. You mentioned Trent Jr. Um, 
OG Ananobi. Uh, also, you got uh, Flynn, you got Precious. These are five guys, by my count, at least extension eligible. Uh, eligible. How big of a season is this for uh, Masai Ajuri and the management staff to, to kind of get this direction, whatever it is, whatever they envision, uh, to take this franchise and take it to the next step moving forward? Yeah, I think it's absolutely huge, no doubt, because you, you did mention the other two in Flynn and, and uh, Achua. They were uh, eligible for their rookie contract extensions, and they had to be signed by yesterday, and they weren't. So now those two will not be uh, eligible for a contract extension in season. It will have to come at the end of this season, but they will still have their rights held by the Raptors, so they will be restricted free agents. So you certainly have three key unrestricted free agents who still could sign extensions over the course of the season, and then those two that are restricted free agents. Um, and like I said, I think, I think what the Raptors are doing right now is kind of using the first, I, I don't know, we, can, we could all, the three of us, just arbitrarily decide, is it 20 games, is it 30 games, is it 40 games approaching you know, the, the trade deadline midseason? What amount of games is it where Masai Ujiri and his general manager, Bobby Webster, need to see from this team that, yes, we are committing to this core that we're talking about right now, or no changes made, or excuse me, changes needed, thus changes made, and the Raptors take a different path. I think it's the wait-and-see approach right now. I think that's why, ultimately, again, new coach, a bit of a new era with this new core. That's why I think there wasn't an extension yet for Siakam, because the resume for Pascal Siakam as a multi-time All-Star and an All-NBA player and a champion, that would say to you he's deserving of the extension. But with the Raptors not signing it yet, I think they are kind of taking that step back and let's view it from 20,000 feet for for at least a handful of games for a quarter of the season and then make the decision from there. Because if it turns out that, and you know, I'm playing a big if here, Kevin, mm-hmm. but if it turns out that the Raptors get to the end of the season and Pascal Siakam is still in a Raptor uniform, but now you're entering unrestricted free agency, it would certainly be a big sting to the present, let alone the future, if you were to lose Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam in essentially back-to-back seasons mm-hmm. with no compensation coming in return. Wow. That would certainly sting big time. Wow, yeah. Um, Eric Smith, I'm going to kind of give you the floor now, Eric. Um, I'm not, I think you're probably aware, but Grant uh, Fuhr has been doing color commentary now in his second year with the Coachella Valley Firebirds in the American Hockey League. Uh, We were talking earlier with Grant, never in a million years did he think uh, that he'd be doing something like this. I'm going to give you the floor, Eric, to kind of touch base with Grant. If you've got a question, comment, whatever, floor is yours. You know what? I, well, first of all, I'll also say it. I, I'm not super familiar with the Firebirds in terms of their play, but I'm absolutely familiar with the logo and the jersey because I think it's one of the best going in in sports. Period. I think it's outstanding. Um, and and I, you know what? I, you know what I wanted to ask Grant more than anything is his experience. Uh, winning that first title because as a broadcaster, it's never going to compare to obviously what a player went through, you know, living it in the trenches, but just being it, you know, a part of it from the outside looking in and having a chance to call the Raptors championship in 2019, it might not be the same for, for Edmonton grant because there are and were so many Canadian teams as opposed to the Raptors being the lone Canadian NBA franchise. But what was the taste and what was the experience like for that first title, let alone the others that came after? Uh, you know what? There's still nothing better. I mean, I think that's the fun part. And for me, it was special growing up in Edmonton. And as a kid, everybody dreams of winning a Stanley Cup. So as a Canadian kid doing it at home, 
there's no better feeling than that. And it's one of those memories that you'll always hold the rest of your life and nobody can take that away from you. So it, it's definitely very special. Yeah, I, I still remember it as a kid. So, so it was special as a fan, so I can only imagine. And, and like I say, I, I still can't I shake my head at, at it being five years since the Raptors won their title by the time this season runs around. So uh, hopefully I get a chance to experience that again sooner than later because that was, that was something that, again, as I say, respectfully, Grant, I know it doesn't even compare. It's not even the same stratosphere as doing it as a player, but experiencing it as a broadcaster and then being a part of that parade, guys. Like I was on the buses with the players and – doing interviews and having beer cans thrown at me and two, three million people lining the streets in Toronto. It was unbelievable. Well, Well, uh, there's there's definitely nothing better. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Grant, if you just want to wrap it up here, just one last thought with Eric. Yeah, no, there's definitely nothing better than that. And I can imagine that the city of Toronto, having watched part of the parade and that sort of thing, it actually doesn't seem like it was that long ago either. But no, there's there's definitely something special about it, and hopefully the Raptors get there again soon. Well, for sure, uh, Eric. I mean, you're right. It does seem like it's been a long time already, but uh, it also seems like it was just yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense. And uh, as as you said, basketball is growing leaps and bounds in our country. We've seen uh, great things with our national team, and uh, look forward to uh, another exciting season uh, with Raptors basketball. All starts tomorrow with uh, Minnesota. Uh, thanks for coming on today, and enjoy another great season of calling games uh, with the Raptors on the Fan Five Ninety. Great. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right. That is Eric Smith, Raptors play-by-play man. And from one play-by-play man, we go to another play-by-play man right after the break. Rod Phillips, the voice of the Oilers for 37 years. We'll join Kevin Carries and Grant Fear on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. Woohoo! All right. Welcome back, uh, man. We got a great segment coming up now for our... Alumni report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Stop in now for an oil change. No appointment necessary. Be winner ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations. Uh, check out MrLube.com. Uh, Kevin Carius along with uh, Grant Fuhr, our Tuesday co-host from 9 to 11, as we welcome in another Hall of Famer, Rod Phillips, RP. How are you? What's going on? Well, uh, uh, not very much. Uh, I just woke up about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, when you get to be my age, you sleep a lot long more. Oh, man. So, oh, uh, well, well, no, everything's good. Everything's great. It's, uh, uh, you know, my retirement has been, been good and uh, uh, just hanging in there. So, uh, obviously, you've known Grant for a long, long time, well over yeah. 40 years. Grant, do you remember the first time you met Rod? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> Where was that? Well, I was at the rink. Actually, it would have been at the draft. Oh, at the draft. That's yep. right. Yeah, that's right, yep. too. Yeah, and yep, we, we, we flew back to Edmonton together. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that 40 years ago? It can't be, Grant. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, I think it's close. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it, it is. Oh, my gosh. 1981. Well, yeah, 1981. Yeah. Hey? 1981 it was, Rod, the draft. 19- that's when That's when Grant was drafted. 1981, okay. number eight overall. The draft was in Montreal, correct, Grant? Yeah. It was. Yes, it was, yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we, we had a, most had, uh, we had a pretty back. happy, we had a pretty happy flight home. <laughs> 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 yeah. Let's see, Rod, myself, 
Randy <laughs> Moeller and Lindy Ruff. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Grant. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it was Rod, myself, Randy Moeller, and Lindy Ruff on the flight back. And we spilled a few. It's <laughs> <laughs> a possibility we might have. Oh, oh boy. Uh, that's, I, can't, I can't believe it's that long ago. My goodness. Yeah, time sure flies, time sure flies Rod. So what were your kind of first recollections of Grant when you first saw him come up, Rod, with the Oilers uh, after that draft in 1981? Started the season 81-82 with the Oilers uh, uh, as a young, young goaltender. Well, uh, I mean, it, I, it, I guess it wasn't a surprise but just at how good he was. I mean, he was, uh, uh, I mean, you, you, the first practice, uh, you, you know, ever, a lot of, a lot of the guys and, and the media people were, were going, wow, this guy is, uh, uh, is really something. He's, he's quick. He's got a great glove. Uh, no, absolutely no fear whatsoever. And uh, uh, he went on to have, a, you know, a Hall of Fame career. But uh, uh, that first impression was uh, uh, was just absolutely incredible. Hey, Grant, when you first met Rod, I mean, minus the plane trip, minus the plane trip, but, you know, when you guys kind of got back into Edmonton and um, you started to talk talk to Rod on a daily basis, and that's kind of how it was back there, uh, back then, because of the players were, um, it was different between players and media, especially the play-by-play guys, and maybe that's a little similar today, but what was that relationship with you and Rod at the very, I guess, the beginning of your career in Edmonton? I think it was good. I don't think I said a whole lot to the media. I mean, I'd like to sit in my corner and say nothing. So I'm going to guess I was probably not the easiest person to interview. I, I will guess most of my answers were right to the point and didn't last more than five or six words. So pretty good chance that nobody would have ever figured I would end up in the media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? Uh, you didn't waste words. Uh, I think that would be uh, uh, you were to the point and very accurate, and and it was it didn't take long for you to to, to say it. So uh, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing, unless we were doing a half hour documentary with you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a little tougher. Oh yeah, uh, we're with Rod Phillips uh, on uh, the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear on Sports fourteen forty, kind of taking a trip down memory lane with the old Hall of Famer, the guy they called Skipper. I just called him RP. That's kind of how we kind of hung out uh, doing games together uh, for seven years or so back in the, from 2003 to 2010. And I enjoyed every one of those games with you, Rod. So uh, we were talking on the phone yesterday about when you did the Heritage Classic 20 years ago. And of course, the Heritage Classic coming up this Sunday. But you it was a little different when you did that game 20 years ago. Can you kind of explain how that went down? Well, uh, yeah, they they had it at Commonwealth Stadium, of course, and we were in the the main press box, uh, the TV uh, guys, and and uh, and our radio crew, and uh, like we were, well, I don't know, 
we we could we could barely see see the, well we could see the ice surface and the players, but it was hard to read their their the numbers on, on the jerseys. Uh, so uh, what we did is uh, both the TV play-by-play and, and the radio play-by-play. We we watched the game on a on a TV set mm-hmm. that was in the press box, and uh, you know uh, we tried to make it as as much like a regular broadcast as it was n- normally. And uh, it, it it worked out all right. Uh, we didn't have anybody complaining about it. Uh, it uh, it was uh, a little stressful to start, but uh, as time went on and we realized that we we're able to do our job, uh, we just kept plugging away. And uh, eventually, uh, uh, as I say, became very comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. That's Rod Phillips. Uh... Our guest uh, on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Um, Grant, I always remember a story that Kevin Lowe told. He was not playing in a game, but he remained in Edmonton, and he was listening to the game on the radio back in the day because it was not on television. Not all the games were on TV, and that's why Rod has such a, a special bond with so many Edmonton Oilers fans because back in the day, many of the games were just on radio. But Kevin told the story about how he was listening to the game, and uh, I think... I think it might have been a Detroit game and the players came back the next day and, and Kevin said, man, that was some kind of game. I mean, what? That was unbelievable the way that Rod was calling the game and all the players said, actually, it wasn't that exciting of a game. Rod just made it exciting. So, um, you know, do you remember like doing like stories with Rod, uh, how he was perceived by the team calling uh, the games back earlier, I guess, when not all the games were on TV and radio is such an important part of kind of you know, expressing uh, what it was like to be in order to play in the games, to be part of the community. Uh, you know what? It was, it was always great being around Rod and Rod did a good job of making us look good. I mean, I think that's the beauty of radio. Nobody really knows. So Rod did a good job of making us look good. And as much as we like, as much as I like to tease Rod that he was around before TV. So no, it, it's always a lot of fun. And Rod was always great to listen to. I mean, I think that was the fun part is he made the game exciting. Hey Rod, you never you never kind of jacked up a call or two over the years, did you? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, uh, maybe just made it a little more exciting than what it was. Well, I, I don't. I, no, no, not <laughs> not not that I can remember. I, I just you know uh, I I really got into the games. You know, I was really into the games, and uh, of course, I wanted the orders to win. Uh, there was never any doubt about that. And uh, I probably, I probably got over exuberant at times, but uh, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't on purpose. It was just that I was into the game and uh, trying trying my darndest to, mm-hmm. to make it uh, exciting. Well, you definitely did that for 37 years and all yeah. the games that you did. And um, is, do you have a, a special? Or a favorite call that you you know might have said over the years? Would it have been like maybe the first Stanley Cup or something that Wayne did? Is there anything that comes to mind that you really enjoyed? Oh boy, you know that's uh, that's a tough question, KK. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I did that broadcast three thousand five hundred and forty-two games. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot of hockey games. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, you know, I mean, uh, the first Stanley Cup, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, uh, uh, the first one is always the best one because uh, uh, it's it's a first. So uh, uh, that would be my answer to that that question. Grant, do you remember some of the calls that you may have heard Rod, uh, you know, um, perform over the years that maybe sticks out for you? Uh, going back to the WHA. I mean, I think that's that was part of it as well. Is oh, didn't get to go to a lot of games, but I listened to a lot of games, and part of that was becoming an Oiler fan. Is that yeah, it was the first professional hockey team in Edmonton. I wasn't old enough for the Edmonton Flyers, so mm-hmm. the Oilers were kind of the first deal. And listening to Rod and Rod made everything exciting, and you couldn't help but love the Oilers at that time. Hey, Rod, do you? I, we were talking yesterday uh, when I was asking you to come on about the fact that Grant is doing color commentary for the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds in the American Hockey League, uh, now doing color for his, his second year. Is, could you imagine, uh, you know, back when you were talking to Grant and he was playing and everything that, like that uh, here we are, you know, in 2023 and Grant Fuhr is doing color commentary in the American Hockey League. Could you have ever envisioned that? Um, to to be honest, uh, uh, and uh, not certainly, uh, nothing personal, Grant, uh, if you would have told me then that in 2023, Grant would be doing color on radio, I would have said, uh, no, that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I mean, things change. I mean, you know, uh. He was, Grant was, was, as he said, 18 years old when he started playing professional hockey. Uh, so, uh, uh, he was, he was very, very young. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you'd have told me that two years ago, I just probably said no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, whenever, whenever you guys all get together, Rod, I'm sure you kind of enjoy all the old stories and, and memories. That's what everyone kind of says. They don't miss the game as much. They don't miss that part of it, but they do miss the friendships and the players and all the, the relationships you build. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, anytime you have a reunion, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's special. Uh, just watching, you know, for me, I mean, I was old, obviously older than all the players, mm-hmm. and I knew them when they were young men and watched them you know, grow up through their careers and then to not see them again for years. And now they're, they're older, they're older people. It's uh it's uh, uh kind of a funny feeling, but uh, that's just the way life is. Grant. Uh, you know what? It's fun to get together with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Rod, Rod knew us before we were probably men. We were probably still just growing boys at that time. And, it's fun to see everybody. I like to think that I'm not an old man yet, but I keep looking in the mirror and there's an old guy standing there. So apparently I am, but yeah, no, it's great to see the guys. And it's great to see how guys have progressed through life. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. The mill Creek dog walker says Rod is by far the best play by play ever still can't adjust to the play-by-play currently interested more in talking to each other than calling the game you're the best rod great to hear you um oh that was very nice yeah um another one uh yeah i mean 
just your the longevity, Rod. What did you? I mean, that was a long. You did a lot of games. Thirty-seven years. You said over thirty-five hundred games. Um, how did how did you kind of how did you do it? I mean, that's it's a long time to do a lot of games. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I just the love of the game, KK. Uh, I mean, I, and I love my job. I love doing it. I was uh, always excited and happy when I was uh, when I was working, and uh, it was, uh, you know, like it was a gift. Uh, I, I appreciated it so much that I was uh, was able to to, to had to be able to spend my my working life doing that that job and uh it was just uh you know uh it was just a, a wonderful way uh to uh to uh work through your or to get your job done yeah. it was just uh, fabulous mm-hmm. um have you ever thought about how many miles you traveled over 39 years uh, I think it was, uh, I think we, we, uh, uh, what the heck was it? It was o- over, over 4 million miles. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and you, you weren't a great flyer either, Rod. Were no, you? I wasn't. No. Um, uh, I was a, a bad flyer. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it, it, uh, it, it was better. It, it, it got better when, when, when the orders, uh, I forget what year it was. It was Kevin Lowe's first year as GM. Okay. And I I forget what year it was. But when we started the charter, uh, it was a lot better because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you had 60 first-class seats on the airplane. Everybody had uh, was comfy and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, uh, and uh, that's when my, well, I mean, I, you know, if we hit turbulence or yeah. something, I'd get a little upset. But uh, <laughs> uh, basically it was a, a smooth, smooth ride. And did you sit with Wayne a lot of the times or how did, because he wasn't a good flyer either, right? No, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, he and I sat together when we were, were go, going commercial. And then, of course, when he was traded right. to uh, Los Angeles, well, we didn't fly together anymore. But, uh, yeah, we were both uh, <laughs> <laughs> two scared guys <laughs> oh. sitting, sitting as close to the front of the plane as we could and and hanging on for dear life. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, text coming in one uh Eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Ask Rod if he plans to come back. Maybe special guest appearance someday, Rod. Oh, I don't think that's in, <laughs> in the works. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I think I'd probably have trouble doing a, a a hockey game now. It's been it's been a long time. Yeah. It's thirteen years since I retired. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I think that I don't I don't think that's going to happen. No. But, uh, it's nice of someone to think think about it. Uh, maybe Grant, what what would it take, Grant, if you kind of asked Rod to maybe head down to Coachella Valley? You would do color. He does play by play. Maybe that could happen. I would love that. I think that would be awesome. I mean, I think we would have a lot of fun if nothing else. Oh yeah, we we, we could we could, <laughs> but 
Uh, I don't know if that's in the books, Coco. Uh, and, and it's warm down here. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's uh, that's something to think about. So I'm going to ask uh, you this, Rod, and then Grant, you can uh, maybe do some counting in your head. But uh, Rod, obviously, you love the game of golf. Um, you have uh, been playing for well since you retired. You play a lot. So I'm going to try to, how many rounds of golf did you get in this year ballpark, if you can kind of put a number on it? And I'm betting that you play two or three times more golf games than Grant Fuhr did this year. Uh, two or three uh, games more? Well, I think if you give me, if you can give me a ballpark number of how many yeah. games you well, played this year, well, and then we'll sure, get yeah. uh, uh We started in the first week in June. Okay. And we played five days a week, so that would be 20 games a month. And we played uh, July, August, September, and up to the middle of October. So do you think you got close to 100 rounds in? Well, yeah, it would be, yeah, wow. it would be something like that, yeah. Okay, I might be off a little bit, Grant. What would your uh, total be this year? Actually, I just cheated. I looked at my USGA app. I've got <laughs> okay. 96 rounds in this year. Oh, here I thought maybe because you were you were down a little bit with your uh, shoulder or your side or your back it was at the start of the year. I thought maybe you didn't get as many in. Well, it's, trust, it's a light year, trust me. First year of COVID, I think I got 252 rounds in. So I think last year I was up around 170. So we're a little light this year. Oh, man. Um, got one more text coming in uh, to you, Rod, at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 This one comes from Rod as well. It says, all through the 80s, after the national anthem, we would wave to Rod Phillips, and he would wave back to us. Section D, row 17. Did it become a bit of a superstitious ritual for you, Rod? Do you remember that? Uh, faintly. Okay. Yeah, faintly. Uh, but... Uh uh, I, I, I can't I can't say any more yeah. than that, but well, I, I do faintly remember it, yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting a lot of texts coming in, Rod, that everybody wants you to come back for one game. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like this idea, Grant, don't you? I mean, I, I do. I, I think it would be awesome. <laughs> come, da- come down to Coachella Valley for one, even one period, Rod. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I I don't I don't think I have it in me, fellas. Well, um, yeah, but what if you what if it included like two or three rounds of golf down there? No, it's uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I just all, all our listeners, Rod, are trying to trying to get you to come back for one more game or one more period. That's how much they loved you, big guy. That's how much they loved. Oh, you. well, that's very kind of you. Um, well, I want to thank you for uh, coming on and actually, um, you know, being a mentor to me for, for many years uh, when I was lucky enough to fill in for Morley when Morley would zip over to do uh, uh, TV play-by-play on uh, the pay-per-views because that's kind of how it started back with me. And that's 20 years ago when we when we did games together, Rod. Yeah, yeah, uh, wow. 2003 to 2010. Uh, yeah, So Incredible. I wanted to thank you for – and the biggest thing you ever told me, uh, make sure you spend 100% of your per diem and then some. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it was free money. Well, it was, yeah. Like you said, what do you, what do we, we want to go and have a nice meal and a glass of wine and a scotch? We're going to do that, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't a guy? Why not? Absolutely. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> and and as you know, KK, we we did enjoy ourselves. Yes, we did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> those are some of my favorite memories for sure. So, hey, Rod, yeah. I want to thank you for this, and uh, I know you're probably going to have a nice little. Are you having brunch now, or what do you what do you do at this time? Are you having brunch or lunch, or what do you do? Um, um I'm going to get up and uh, have a cup of coffee. Yeah. I'm still in my pajamas, <laughs> sitting on my bed. So uh, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, uh, read the newspaper, and then make some breakfast. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Uh, and I'm, oh, I'm well. You're probably watching the game tonight, I assume, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Grant, and, you and sorry. Go yeah, ahead, Rod. Thank you, KK. I appreciate it very much. And uh, Grant, it's so good to talk to you. And um, Continued, uh, continued good times, uh, and hang in there. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Rod, and I look forward to catching up and seeing you again soon. Okay, Coco, it'll be great. All right, that's uh, Rod Phillips. Uh, man, that is a broadcasting legend uh, when you're talking about all the games. 37 years, that's a long time to do uh, NHL hockey. The travel, it, it, it gets to you. I mean, you're, 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 you talk about all the players that go through it, eh, Grant? Like, I mean, how, how tough was travel for you? And then you think that he did it for 37 years. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize it. My first 10 years, we flew commercial everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were no charters back then. It was all commercial where you flew with everybody. You went through the airport just like everybody else. And when you're playing hockey, that's tough sometimes. And then... You didn't charter out right after games, so you had to stay. And then usually the first flight out, so it was a 4 o'clock in the morning wake-up call and jump on a flight and away you go again. Did you Were you able to fly any uh, charter at the end of your career? Did it come in a little late at the end of your career? Yeah, it started when I got to Toronto in 91. Okay. We flew a few charters. Okay. But then once I got out east, all the everything was close. So it really wasn't that bad after that. I think when you're out in the west, the charters make a huge difference. But... The whole time I spent in the West, other than my last year with Calgary, it was all commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much was the travel easier on your body out East? I think, you know what? It's a lot easier because you spend a lot more time in your own bed. Yeah. I mean, I think out West we spent, I forget how many extra days. It was right on probably around 70 or 80, maybe 90 days away from home because you were flying commercial. You didn't fly home after games. You stayed. Mm-hmm. So every game, every road game is a road trip. Oh man! Again, you always hear these guys like in Jersey and Philly. You know they take the train or whatever, and they're in their after a road game, they're in their own bed at midnight. It's crazy. Yeah, bus home, bus back. Yeah. I mean, even when I was in Phoenix, we chartered, but everything was a different time zone. Yeah. And I think that's that's the other thing that people don't realize is you're always going to different time zones. So trying to get your body clock right was always hard. Uh, that was uh, Rod Phillips, uh, part of our alumni report, uh, brought to you by uh, Mr. Lube. Uh, be winter ready at mrlube.com. We're back to wrap things up on a great Tuesday morning with Grant Fear on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. Man.
All right. Welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carey's on Sports 1440 with our uh, Tuesday co-host, uh, Grant Fuhr from uh, Palm Desert and uh, color commentator for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, one more game for uh, the Birds, I guess, Grant, as you say, that's so tomorrow night, uh, Ontario Rain, home game or a, uh, an away game? No, nope, home game. I only do the home games. Oh, okay. I kind of got the perfect schedule. Oh, okay. My, my so, apologies. So, well, that's that's good, isn't it? Oh, no, that's great. Um, it, it's, <laughs> I mean. It, I don't really need the bus trips, so no, it's good. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, we were just talking about all the travel that was going on. I mean, uh, that's great for you, for sure. Um Text coming in, uh, Rod was the Ed Whalen of hockey. And, uh, I mean, Ed Whalen did Calgary Flames uh, play-by-play. Do you recall that uh, as well? I do. Yeah. Calgary Flames, a little Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Stampede Wrestling growing up as a kid uh, out in Spruce Grove? I did. Yeah. I did. So getting to meet Ed Whalen was pretty cool. And then getting to hang out with Rod's even better. No kidding. Um, so it was when you watched Stampede Wrestling and then you got to meet Ed Whalen as when you were in Calgary, I guess, even or even, you know, as a as a visiting goalie. What was that like for you? Because my recollection when I was growing up, I, I, I just thought of Ed as Stampede Wrestling. When I got a job in Calgary and actually went to school in Calgary in uh, 88, I saw Ed Whalen doing Flames games because, again, it's not like it was it is now. It's, it's TV was different. Uh, I was like Ed Whalen does Calgary Flames. You can believe it. So, you know, what was your recollection of, of of him doing Stampede Wrestling back in the day? Yeah, I for me personally, I remember him more for Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was something that I enjoyed watching and had fun listening to him, and he made it exciting. And that was the fun part. And then when you realize he was doing Flames games too, that was actually pretty cool. <laughs> It really was. I mean, uh, you know, he came up with all the sayings back in the day with the the malfunction at the junction and the ring-a-ding-dandy. And um, I think for a lot of uh, uh, Canadian wrestling fans, uh, Andre the Giant was one of the first guys that I remember. Um, uh, Mr. Hedo and all those guys. Did Can you remember some of the those old stampede wrestlers when you were growing up? Yeah, uh, Bad News Allen, Abdullah the Butcher, <laughs> the Iron Sheik. Yes. Man, there's there's a lot of good ones back then. Um, did you know when you were a young kid that it was sort of just, I guess, uh, staged or so? What do you want to call it? I don't even think we cared. It yeah. was just it was fun to watch. Oh, it was. I, mean, I think fun. That, was, that was the great part. Um, I like the intro too, like you know, the, just the very beginning of the program. It was cool. Uh, text coming in for Grant Fuhrer one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Maybe got time for a couple more. What is Grant's handicap? What are you What are you firing in on right now, Grant? We're not very good right now. I think I'm at zero point eight. Oh, really? Zero point eight. Oh boy. Now we were on the plus side about a year and a half ago, so. We're, oh. we're tumbling down the hill. Wow. That's still pretty darn good. If you're getting 100 rounds in. No, I'll still squeeze my 100. I will get close to 150, hopefully, by the end of the year. So do you go on, like, just again, you put your score in on the USGA thing, just like you would up here, similar? Yep. Yep. So I post every round. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, or otherwise. <laughs> um, are you one of those guys, let's just say, 
uh, I don't know, you're having a bad hole. Do you continue on? Like, say, say something happens and you're already, you're putting for seven or something on a par four. Uh, do you do you just pick up or how to, like a lot of guys go? Oh, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I can't take it against my handicap. Guys do that. Oh no, I still, I still finish okay. it out. Good, good. So, yeah. Um, hole ends when the ball gets in the hole. Exactly. It doesn't matter how many it takes. Exactly, exactly. Um, will you be able to get uh, any like rounds in here in the next little bit, or just too much, too much travel, too much work? Um, I'll probably in the next. 10 days, two weeks, I probably won't get a whole lot of golf in. I'm going to come up to Edmonton. I got to make a trip out to Newfoundland. So that'll curtail a little bit of golf. But then once I get back, oh, cool. I'll get back into a little bit of the regular swing of things. What's the trip out in Newfoundland? My youngest daughter's out there. Oh. So I got to go out for a visit. Got to go out for a visit. Oh, great. See how things are going out there. Oh, that's, that's outstanding. So have you been out there lots? I haven't been out there in... 20, 20, 25 years. Oh, I think the last time I went out there was for Bob Cole's golf tournament. Oh, so wow. it's been a while. Well, hopefully we, we see you this weekend. If you get in Thursday, might see you at the game on uh, Thursday or even Friday, or we'll see what how the weekend shakes uh, down because I know you got a lot of events to do. But uh, hopefully Definitely a lot. Definitely fan fest. We're going to beat all the different events. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, good stuff. So uh, thanks a lot, Grant. Uh, we will uh, chat with you uh, when you uh, get into town this weekend. Thanks for coming on again. I look forward to it. All right. And thanks to our other guests today, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, Jonathan Giustini, Golden Bears football. Uh, we had Ryan Carter from the uh, Minnesota Wild. Uh, good talking with Eric Smith. Man, oh, man, that guy is. Uh, and just, the, the, you know, when he was talking about uh, his connections to the Oilers in the 80s and, and things like that in Burlington, that was it was kind of neat to hear all that stuff. And then, of course, uh, Rod Phillips, former voice of the Oilers. And thanks to our uh, Tuesday co-host, uh, Grant Fear. Coming up at the top of the hour, it's the former Arash Shep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn with Fantasy Frenzy at noon to two. Uh, the lowdown with low tide. Jason Greger takes us home here on Sports 1440 with the Jason Greger Show from 2 to 6. Tomorrow we will have our Wednesday co-host David Schlemko. Uh, we will check in with the Oilers result from tonight in Minnesota. Thanks to everybody who texted in and thanks for listening today on Sports 1440. We will see you and hear from you back to here tomorrow at 7 o'clock uh, before the top of the hour. Here is the Duke with a sports update.